Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, I know it's right after lunch, so I hope you guys don't sleep in the session. Uh, my name is Arthi Raju, and I'm a partner solutions architect with AWS. Been working on this project post-date the October 2016 announcement. I'm also joined by my partner in crime from the other side, Brian Graf. I let Brian introduce himself. Thanks, Arti. I'm Brian Graf. Everyone, thanks again for coming. Really excited to have you here and to talk about this. Uh, like I said, my name is Brian Graf. I'm a technical marketing manager at VMware. I've been there for about four years, and, and I'm excited. I'll talk about some of this stuff as we get into it. Uh, I was the product manager for vSphere DRS and HA, the resource management features of VMware, uh, for about a year and a half. And, and so seeing what we're doing with that with regards to VMware Cloud and AWS is really cool. So uh, really invested in this, really excited to go through this with uh, you guys and our team. Thank you. So what we want to do today is I'm assuming a lot of folks have attended the other VMware sessions that we've been having throughout the week. What we wanted to do today is take you through this journey of uh, the architectural deep dive of VMware Cloud on AWS and how a customer onboards onto the service. And also, both the companies have spent a lot of effort doing uh, service integrations with the native AWS services. So I'll talk a bit about how to integrate your VMware Cloud environment with AWS services. And then I'll hand it off to Brian. VMware just did some exciting announcements yesterday morning. Mm -hmm. And Brian will cover some enterprise use cases and also talk about those announcements. Let's get started. So I've been, as I mentioned, I've been working on this project post-October 2016 announcement. And we've been talking to a lot of customers. Everybody says they want to do hybrid uh, cloud. And when we talk to them of what exactly is hybrid cloud, we hear different things from different customers. There are customers who have these huge data center leases that are going to end and they want to move to the cloud. Or there might be customers that also have some applications that are well suited to be running on-prem. So they don't want to move everything to the cloud. They want to have to move some workloads into the cloud. So they want to have this uh, flexibility of running both these environments, both on-prem and in the cloud. And they don't want to make a binary decision of choosing between those two. Now, when they have both these environments, they also want to have a tighter and seamless integration between these environments. And of course, I'm sure you guys don't want to put in money to buy new hardware. Nobody wants to do that. I don't want to do that. So they also don't want to do that uh, without buying new hardware, without spending new money. And this can all be done today, right? But we still don't see a lot of customers adopting into this. And why is it? There's a lot of challenges that we hear from our customers. Something like, for example, the virtual machine images, right? Sounds very simple. With vSphere, you have your machine images. With Amazon, you have your Amazon machine images that's running on a hypervisor that's not ESX. How do I move? Maybe I should have just a simple click that migrates from one image to another. Well, that's not possible today. Uh, if you look at these multiple machine images and you want to move workloads from one environment to another, you're going to take a significant outage. Of course, we have a number of uh, partner solutions in our ecosystem that helps you do this migration, but customers don't want to use external solutions. They want to have a seamless way to just migrate from one environment to another. To another. This also brings up an interesting discussion of having difference in networks. For those familiar with VPC, you know when you launch a VPC, you select the CIDR block, you select subnets, it's a layer three networking, it's all IP routing. And with VMware, it's similar, right? You still have your layer three networking, but there's also logical layer two networks that sit on top on the overlay. So there is incongruency between these networks. 
which also brings to operational inconsistency. If you're like most enterprises, you would have runbooks for, let's say, host patching or host upgrades, security uh, automations. Now, when you have two environments, you now have to have runbooks for your on-prem and the cloud. Just because I know how to operate in the cloud doesn't mean I know how to operate vSphere, and it's the vice versa. So in terms of skill sets, you're also looking at learning new skill sets to adapt to the hybrid cloud. And enterprise customers ha might have invested in tooling for their on-prem environment. Now, they need to make sure this is compatible with what's running in the cloud. And when it comes to monitoring and control, it's interesting because with identity and access management with AWS, you get users, groups, and roles that lets you do audit permissions and uh, user audits. Similarly, with vSphere, you have vSphere roles. Both these are different. How do you now manage these? You can still all do all this, right? We still see some customers, legacy customers doing this, but you're duplicating effort. You're building a platform on-prem. You're building another platform in the cloud. And your operations team, your security team, everybody is duplicating effort. And we don't want you to do this, right? And we've heard from customers to provide them a way to simplify this. They don't want to duplicate all the effort. With VMware Cloud on AWS, what we wanted to do is just take the environment that you're already familiar with, the VMware environment, and put it on top of AWS's global infrastructure. Note that I get asked this question, is this nested virtualization? This is not. So VMware is running directly on Amazon's bare metal infrastructure. So it comprises of three building blocks, vSphere, vSAN, and NSX. vSphere is the vSphere that you already know. When you log into the vSphere UI client, it's still you get the same look and feel that you would see when you log into your vSphere on-prem. And vSAN is used for storage, and NSX for the networking and security. The minimum, uh, node si the minimum cluster size for the SDDC is four. So you're gonna have four hosts, and if you can think of it, each host is equivalent to an i316x large uh, in terms of specifications. And Brian will be jumping into like the building blocks and what specifications we are using for this VMware Cloud on AWS. What's also interesting is we wanna provide you a single pane of glass. Nobody wants to have multiple portals to be logging in and doing the work, right? So with vSphere, uh, with vSphere 6.5, VMware has introduced hybrid link mode. With hybrid link mode, you can now connect your vCenter. So when I log into my vCenter now, I would see my VMware Cloud on AWS vCenter just as another secondary data center. So now you have the single pane of glass where you can manage both your vCenters. Skill sets and tooling, we talked about it. So your existing skill sets, your power CLI scripts, your uh, vRealize automation, still works across both these platforms, so you don't have to invest in new, new tooling and scripting for VMware Cloud on AWS. I mentioned this runs on AWS's global infrastructure, which means we now have access to 90 plus, or actually based on Andy's keynote today, I think I'm probably 100 plus AWS services. So you now have access into all your AWS services using um, a low latency, high bandwidth, Elastic Network Interface, and we'll talk about how that's set up. So this is delivered as a service from VMware. So there's a couple of things to note here. So since AWS manages the physical infrastructure, you don't have to worry about replacing your hardware or what happens if the hardware fails. And VMware manages the hypervisor and the management components, 
which means if there's a host failure, they take care of it. You don't have to, you don't have to get paged. You don't have to do anything. And also, um, in terms of host upgrades, they do take care of it as well. All you have to do is manage your workload VMs now. Since it's a service that's delivered by VMware, it's managed by VMware, so you don't get root ESX access or you don't get access to the NSX edges. With that, I'm going to pass it on to Brian to jump into the building blocks for the core vSphere, vSAN, and NSX and talk about what specifications we use for these building blocks. Great, RT, thank you. So just, uh, just as a little bit of a recap and a plug for another session. So for those of you who have been to other uh, technical deep dives for VMware Cloud on AWS, uh, we'll have gone over some similar content here. One of the things that we talk about a lot and what we saw on the previous slide, actually I'll, I'll jump back to, to this one here. As you can see on the far right side of the screen, if we can, uh, if we can do this here, these AWS services, right? How, how do we integrate those with uh, the VMware stack, because we can, and that's one of the benefits of doing VMware Cloud on AWS. So if you want to know more about those, we'll have a, a number of live demos. I think we've got four or five live demos. We've got a few uh, other demos as well. Today, the MGM Level 1 Ballroom 124 from 4 to 5. It's ENT 304. So if you're interested in learning why this is beneficial and how to bring these uh, services from Amazon together with the VMware stack, come to that session. It's going to be great. Now, now that I've made that plug, Let's jump into the building blocks. All right, so as RT mentioned, right, these are bare metal servers running uh, within Amazon infrastructure. And what's interesting about this, and I'm going to repeat this several times as we go along, is we're not just taking VMware products, putting it in Amazon, and saying that we're a cloud company, okay? So it's, it's not that we are doing a number of different things. We have a number of different initiatives to actually leverage the benefits of the cloud. So with these hosts, RT said we get four hosts minimum for an SDDC, and how big are these, right? How much of these are we going to fill up? So for a number of, of customers, that's the question that we get when we talk about this. Now each of these hosts are dual, core, um, dual 18 core processors, okay? So a hefty amount of CPU there, 512 gigs of RAM, and 16 terabytes of NVMe storage, all right? So each one of these is, is pretty beefy, Right, uh, a number of our customers are yet to use, fully utilize all that. We have other customers that say, okay, line me up hundreds, right? We need these. That's the size of our, of our uh, ESX host. Now, we boot from EBS storage, okay? That's kind of cool. We leverage the NVMe that's local to the host for vSAN, which is our virtualized storage. Now, quick question, just kind of for, for my knowledge here, how many of you here either are or were vSphere admins at one point? Raise your hand. Okay, significant, that's great. And for those of you who are watching in other rooms, I wish I could see your hands raised as well. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably similar to what we have here. So vSAN, virtual SAN, uh, that's our, our virtualized storage. It's leveraging that 16 terabytes each on, the, on each of these hosts, right? We get about 10.7 terabytes of usable storage per host uh, for, for vSAN. Now, other features. Now, this is kind of where we, we separate from the on-prem vSphere to VMware Cloud on AWS and what's different between, um, between the two different versions, right? So on-prem, we have vSphere DRS. That is your distributed resource scheduler. That's what allows you to load balance workloads uh, between different hosts. Okay, we have our um, HA, which is high availability. If a host fails, we'll automatically restart it, um, but we hope to have additional capacity in our clusters. And, and that's good, 
But some of the downsides to this, right, are in a traditional on-prem environment, you have additional capacity. And this is where my role as product manager for DRS and HA kind of come in from, from my, my previous role. This was one of the things that customers kind of had a hard time with. They had to have additional resources in every single cluster for those just-in-case moments, right? Just in case the host fails, we can restart uh, the, the workloads onto other hosts. Okay. Within VMware Cloud on AWS, we have things like automated remediation and elastic DRS. What these allow us to do is leverage the benefits and the APIs that AWS gives us to bring in more hosts as needed. So for example, elastic DRS allows us to run with those four hosts, and if we need more, we can have a threshold set that say, you know what, if I go above a certain utilization for some of these properties or some of these values, add in another host. Add in another host after that. Add in another host as I need to, right? I don't have to go out and do provisioning like I do on-prem where I have to forecast out six months. It takes an average of 89 days for on-prem customers to go out and provision new hosts. That's, uh, that's ordering the host, that's getting the funding for it, that's ordering it, that's getting it shipped, it's getting it racked and stacked and configured. With this and with Elastic DRS or even going into the console, which you may see here later on, you can go in, you can click add host, and you've got a new host in five to 10 minutes. Okay, there's a big difference between 89 days and 10 minutes, right? As far as networking goes, right? So we're leveraging about a 25 gigabytes, uh, gigabit bandwidth uh, for, for our host networking. And we leverage the VMware Cloud ENI. And we'll talk about that more a little bit in this session, but a lot more in that uh, in, in, interesting integration session uh, at four o'clock today. So just briefly, how does the, the vSAN storage work, okay? So each host has, uh, I believe, eight, uh, SS, or eight NVMe drives, okay? So that allows us to have two in there for cache, okay? And then we have the rest for capacity. Now we're able to leverage this to do, we can do dedupe. Uh, I believe the, uh, the default setting in here is just a RAID 1, that you can go in and set storage policies for your different virtual machines if you want different types of RAID for that. As far as networking goes, right? If you are a traditional VMware user, you've used logical uh, standard switches and distributed switches. With this, we're leveraging NSX. Now that allows us to do some pretty cool stuff, okay? That allows us to do uh, layer two stretch, it allows us to do VPN connectivity, and when we get deep dive into the networking side that RT will go into here in a few minutes, you actually see how we've, how we've kind of separated the compute um, networking and the management networking. So we've, we've split these off, and everything that you're able to do is leveraging the benefits of NSX, our, our virtualized networking. That allows us to do everything you see up here on the screen. And with that, I'm going to pass this back over to RT to go ahead and go through what the onboarding is for VMware Cloud and AWS. Thank you. So VMware has done a lot of effort in the onboarding space to simplify it for customers. We want it to be as simple as going into the AWS console and launching an EC2 instance. We want customers to have the same uh, environment. So let's get started on how a customer would get onboarded into VMware Cloud on AWS. When you as a customer sign up for VMware Cloud on AWS, VMware spins up a new AWS account for you. So these are single tenant accounts. We call them VMware Cloud SDDC account. So this is dedicated for you. You're not sharing your hardware with any other customer. So these are single tenant accounts. And this account is completely owned and operated by VMware. So how do you get access? So you don't get any IM users or roles to log into this account. So the access is given through a vCenter endpoint through which you log in and you manage your workload VMs. 
And we know customers already have their existing AWS accounts, right? So you might have uh, a web application running in your AWS environment or a Redshift cluster running. So this still stays the same. We're not touching, we're not doing anything with this account. You still own this account. However, as we jump into the next few slides, we will establish a private connectivity between the STDC cluster that you just created or that was created for you and your AWS account. So this is what allows us to have the seamless integration that Brian mentioned. The onboarding process is divided into four steps and it's pretty straightforward. So before actually creating your STDC cluster, what we wanna do is connect your account and the account that was created for you for this STDC cluster. And how is it done? So we use uh, AWS CloudFormation to achieve this and I'll jump into how that's done later on. Once you do that, you define your STDC properties. So this is where you set how many hosts you want for your cluster with a minimum of four with maximum 32 hosts per cluster. And then you select which VPC and subnet you want uh, your, the connection to happen. And last, and the optional step is what management network you want. This is the network for your ESX host. I mentioned about the connection. So you don't have to manually do anything. The way it's done is when you log into your VMware Cloud on AWS portal, the first step is, as I mentioned, connecting your accounts. So you click on uh, open with AWS CloudFormation template. There's a link to it. Once you click on that, you're redirected to your AWS account where you sign in with your credentials. Once you've signed in, the CloudFormation template is already pre-populated for you. So what this template has, it has a role with a managed policy attached to it. This role, think of it as a cross-account role. You're now giving VMware a role that they can use to log into your account to perform certain API calls. And what API calls, for example, one of the API calls that they have is updating route tables. Why do they need this? As you add more logical layer two networks on your VMware cloud on AWS, your AWS environment needs to know about these logical networks. Of course, you can do this manually, but we wanted to take that out of uh, your work. So VMware updates route tables in order to update the logical layer two networks. So we use CloudFormation to completely automate this process. So the diagram that you see here, on the left side, you see your customer data center, a typical data center, no changes here. So on the right side is your STDC cluster that was provisioned for you. So you see the MGW and CGW. So this is the management gateway and the compute gateway that gets provisioned for you. So as Brian mentioned, the management gateway is for all your ESX management traffic, and the compute gateway is for all your compute traffic. And I have my VMs that run on top of my ESX host here. How do I connect these two environments now? Of course, I could just use uh, a layer three IPsec VPN connection, very straightforward. It's, uh, they have phase one and phase two parameters that they support, so you simply plug in the config into your router or firewall that you have in your data center, and the tunnel should come up. With yesterday's launch announcement, VMware has also started a preview for AWS Direct Connect private and uh, public virtual interfaces. So that's really a cool announcement because a lot of our enterprise customers already have AWS Direct Connect presence. The bottom VPC that you see here, so that's your account and you have your VPC inside that account. And connection into this VPC, as I mentioned, you might have already have an AWS private WIF that terminates from your co-location into uh, the VPC at the bottom. Or you could also have a layer three IPsec connection. 
One thing that I forgot to mention on the top VPC or SCDC VPC, for folks familiar with the AWS, uh, if you create a VPN connection today, it terminates on an Amazon virtual private gateway on our site. However, in this diagram, if you look, we don't use a virtual private gateway. The NSX supports uh, networking, routing, and switching functionalities. So it terminates the IPsec connection on the management gateway and compute gateway. How do I achieve connectivity between my VMware Cloud on AWS VPC and my customer uh, VPC here? So remember the cross-account role that we talked about? So VMware assumes a role in your VPC, creates elastic network interfaces in your VPC, the VPC that you selected and the subnet that you selected. So for, uh, in order to make my diagram more nicer, I just used one ENI, but it typically, uh, they typically create multiple ENIs. So they create ENIs in your account, and that's actually linked into, directly into the ESX host hosting your SCDC cluster. So now you have a direct connection between your SCDC cluster and your customer uh, VPC. So this is how the direct connectivity is established between the SCDC cluster and your VPC. Note that this is not VPC peering, right? This is just direct connectivity using an elastic network interface. And you can see these elastic network interfaces in your account. So when you log into uh, your VPC and when you move, go into the elastic network interface console, you'll be able to see all the ENIs. And these are tagged with a description that says VMware Cloud VPCs. So we'll just look how this setup looks on the VMware Cloud portal. So this is how the VMware Cloud on AWS portal looks. So I go in and create, click Create SDDC. So as I mentioned, the first step is connecting your accounts. So I click in Open AWS Console with CloudFormation. So this is where I log in with my AWS account credentials. So I log in with my account credentials, and it takes me directly to the CloudFormation page. The template is already populated. All I have to do is launch the template. Once the template is launched, you can proceed to the next step. And you see that green uh, arrow there that says connected. All it means is VMware now has an IAM role to log into your account. For the past year, my role with VMware, what I've been doing is working on service integrations. And what can we do to enable customers to have seamless connectivity into the other AWS services? We now, we now have this direct connectivity path that's established, so I should make use of it to connect into the 90 plus, 100 plus AWS services that we have. And I'm going to uh, focus on a couple of interesting uh, services that a lot of majority of our customers use. And as Brian mentioned, there's a session today evening if you want to um, get more information about other interesting service use cases. So the same diagram, I'm going to build on this diagram. So we have the data center, we have your SDDC cluster, and we have the customer AWS account. So we know this is already established, right? I have this ENI connecting between my SX host in my SDDC to my, uh, my VPC. So let's say I have this VM that wants to talk to uh, an EC2 instance residing in my VPC. How does it do that? So the VM sends all compute traffic to the compute gateway. So the compute gateway then sends the traffic to the ESX host. And as we know, the ESX host has a direct network ENI that connects into the other VPC. 
So as you know, ENIs are associated with route tables. And with VPC, whenever you create uh, a route table, you'll see a local route by there by default. You cannot delete the local route. What's the local route? The local route contains the entire VPC side of block. So for example, let's assume the VPC at the bottom is a 10.0.0.0/16. You will see a route in the local route table that says it has the route to the entire VPC side of block. So it comes there, traffic comes there, looks up the route table, and it knows how to reach the EC2 instance. What about traffic vice versa? If I have an EC2 instance in my VPC that needs to talk to my VMware VM, it's similar. So it looks up its own route table. And remember the cross-account role that we talked about? So your logical networks are updated in the route table by VMware. So it, it knows how to route to your logical network. The destination of that network would be your elastic network interface. So traffic from your EC2 instance will look at its route table, say, hey, I want to reach this logical network which means my destination is this ENI. So it sends all traffic to the ENI, which is now directly connected to the ESX host. So this is a low-link, high-bandwidth uh, connection. So you're not throttled or anything. Another interesting use case that we hear from customers is connecting to S3. I want to back up all my VM data to S3 or other use cases uh, with regards to S3. And today, if you look at how S3 works in the AWS ecosystem, you can either use the internet gateway to just uh, reach S3 through the, through the public endpoints, or we have a service called VPC endpoints for S3. So VPC endpoints for S3 allows you to have a private connection using the Amazon's backbone with all private IP space to connect to S3. So even in our case, let's say I have this VM that needs to dump data into S3. So it goes through the compute gateway, reaches the ESX host, and it uses the internet gateway to talk to S3. Of course, this could be done, but we want to make it more better, right? I want to use VPC endpoints. So the same VM here sends traffic to the uh, compute gateway, which sends traffic through the ENI. Assuming you already have your routing set up for VPC endpoints, it just uses the same VPC endpoint that you use today for your VPC to communicate to S3. With that, I'm going to pass it on to Brian to talk about some enterprise use cases and some of the launch announcements that was made yesterday. Great. Thanks, Arti. How's everyone doing? Everyone still awake? Everyone uh, able to just deep breaths here, and we'll, uh, we'll get through this. So uh, with regards to what Arti was saying right at the very beginning, uh, we're talking about reasons why hybrid cloud is so difficult, right? And some of those reasons we talked about were uh, every cloud uses a different type of image, right? We have VMs, uh, Amazon has the AMIs, uh, you know, Azure has uh, whatever they have. And um, I mean, let's be honest here, we're at reInvent, so. Um, but the idea here is that it's hard for people to move between clouds or to, to get a true hybrid uh, cloud or environment going. Now, one of the things we're gonna talk through as we go through these enterprise use cases is um, you know, what we can do and what we're doing to benefit you so that this is more seamless, okay? So the first thing we have, and we announced this yesterday, is our site recovery manager or site recovery service um, that will allow you to go and use um, site recovery manager on-prem to your site recovery service within VMware Cloud on AWS and be able to replicate workloads up into VMC, VMware Cloud on AWS. Now, that being said, 
One of the biggest use cases, okay, that we get as we go around and we talk with lots of customers, and even before we created this with Amazon jointly, we were asking a ton of customers, what are your three big use cases? If we were to do this, what would they be, right? The biggest one that came up, one of the three biggest, was DR, okay? Can I DR to the cloud? Can I DR somewhere outside of, of a colo or another data center that I have to take care of, right? And have all of these hosts that are just sitting there uh, without being used, but they're taking up space and they're taking up cost, right? So this is where Site Recovery Manager comes into play, okay? This allows us to leverage uh, vSphere replication and our Site Recovery Manager uh, application to do this replication up to VMware Cloud on AWS. As well, you could do this back down on-prem, or you could have two different cloud SDDCs within VMware Cloud on AWS and replicate between them, okay? So this is kind of nice. We have an ability to then replicate our VMs up to VMware Cloud and AWS. They, they maintain their same format, uh, and, and this is pretty seamless. Now, this requires either a Layer 3 IPsec VPN or Layer 2 connectivity, okay, or stretch Layer 2. Now, either of those will, will allow you to do this. So how does this work, and how do I get it, right? This is delivered as a service, like our VMware Cloud uh, on AWS. So this is a service that you can get. Um, it allows you to create automated run books. It allows you to go in and say, for those of you who have never used Site Recovery Manager in the past, you can go in and say, here's a run book or a plan as far as if I have to fail over, how should things come back up, right? We all know that when we're, when we're working with multi-tier applications, uh, you don't want uh, certain virtual machines or certain applications to come up, for example, before the database comes up. Uh, so this allows you to go through and actually create these uh, automated run books, and you can also test these out. That's one of the best things, because all of us have a DR plan, or we, we want to have a DR plan, but how many of us actually test our DR? I think some of you are lying. That's okay, that's okay, but it's hard, right? So this allows us to do that. This allows us to test this out uh, so that we can know uh, that, that things are going to work the, the way that we want them to if there is ever a problem, okay? So another benefit to this, one of the, the issues that you get into when you start moving to cloud or when you start moving into more mature IT environment is around APIs. And one of the biggest problems you get with APIs is when you have an API that is specific to a single version of whatever product you're using, right? Because then you have to create some sort of a switch or a table or array to look up and say, hey, if I'm connecting to a specific version of product X, I need to use this code down here, you know, and, and, and go through there. With, with uh, SRM pairing here, we're allowing multiple versions. So you don't have to be on the exact same version uh, on-prem as you are as a service. It gives you some flexibility there, okay? So another of the use cases that we get is the workload mobility. Either I want to exit my data centers, right? So let's say consolidation migration. In a previous life or a previous job that I had, I worked as a consultant that did just that. It was just completely, we're, we're consolidating data centers. You know, big company acquires another company. They also acquire all their data centers, and you have no idea where it, what's running in there, but you're told, I need to get out of this data center in the next 18 months, okay? Then it's tasked to the consultants or you uh, as the individuals to go in and make that happen. Now, it can be very difficult, and 18 months to two years later, you're still doing it, right? So workload mobility is key for, for a lot of our customers. Uh, how do we get VMs from on-prem up to the cloud or from the cloud back on-prem, okay? What we're allowing you to do, especially with NSX and, and all the benefits that we talked about earlier on with VPN, uh, stretch layer two, all the logical networking, 
All this allows us, if we leverage uh, the NSX Layer 2 VPN, to do things such as live migrations, which means zero downtime with those workloads that you're moving from on-prem or from one location to another. And uh, as long as uh, the demo uh, people love me enough, I will try and do this live, and uh, we'll, we'll see if that works. It's always kind of scary to do that live on stage, but we'll try it here in just a minute. But the idea is, how can I take my workloads that I'm running on-prem or in another location and move those up, okay? So vMotion is one of the ways that we can do that now. Um, the benefit to doing this is you, you retain the IP address. So uh, there's other ways you can do this with cold migrations, you can do this to other types of networks, but generally you have to re-IP once you get it up there. So once again, going to the whole use cases of, of I want this to be seamless or as seamless as possible, re-IPing all your applications is not that simple, okay? So one of the things that makes this possible, Artie mentioned this at the very beginning, enjoy the animated GIF, I loved spending two hours making it for you, is uh, being able to go and do what's called hybrid link mode. Hybrid link mode allows you to do what we've, what we've called enhanced link mode for the last few years or last few versions of vSphere, and it essentially allows you to connect multiple vCenter servers together so you have them in a single pane of glass and you can manage your infrastructure in an easier fashion. Now the problem with this, for those of you who are, are, are vSphere admins, you'll understand SSO domains. For those of you who are not vSphere admins, we have a, a term called SSO domain, which allows you to essentially pair or allow other vCenter servers to see other, uh, other vCenter servers within the same environment and be able to do this. Now, because VMware Cloud on AWS is in its own SSO domain, we had to make a few changes happen, but what this allows us to do with, with hybrid link mode is, and you'll see it when I flip over to go live, we actually have three vCenter servers plus VMware Cloud on AWS, all within the H5 vSphere client. Okay, we can go in and see those, and with that, I can go in and click migrate and do my vMotion from on-prem up to VMware Cloud on AWS and vice versa, okay? So this allows us not only to be able to do cold migrations, live vMotions, but it allows you to manage and orchestrate all of your workloads running on the VMware environment, okay? With that said, who wants to see a live demo? Yeah? All right, let's try this. Cross your fingers for me, okay? All right, give me just a minute here to, to log in with our trusty RSA token. It's so quiet in this room, you guys are excited. All right, so what I'm logging into right now is the VMware Cloud on AWS console. This is what you get, which RT had talked about uh, originally. When you go and you want to do VMware Cloud on AWS, you get this console that we are jumping into now. And here I can deploy as many Cloud SDDCs as I want. As you can see, I've got one Cloud SDDC here. Uh, if I come into it, there's a few things that I have to do before I can do live vMotion, okay? So first thing we see here is we see a dashboard. I've got four hosts, it tells me what all I've got, I can add more clusters, I can add more hosts. Like I said, it doesn't take 89 days for us to provision more hosts. I can come here, I can click add hosts, and it's like two more clicks from there, and I can add hosts to my cluster. What I wanna show you right now is actually in the network. So under this network tab, we have the management gateway and the compute gateway. And this is what I was talking about with NSX. So we actually have segregated our management network with our management virtual machines from the compute, which is essentially everything that we give you to work with, right? And you'll see this 
uh, kind of as an, as an image up here. You can see here, let's see if I can use my trusty clicker. So I've got a, a VPN to my management gateway here. There's my management. Down below, I've got my compute gateway. I've got VPN uh, connectivity to my on-prem network there as well. And we will go down to our management firewall rules. So I have to have two different firewall rules here to allow the vMotion traffic. And as you can see, they're here in the very middle. Uh, I've got vMotion set up here. I say allow my on-prem management CIDR block to communicate with the management CIDR block of VMware Cloud on AWS. After I do that, uh, I'll also show you here, we do have Direct Connect set up with our virtual interfaces, which RT talked about. You can see down here at the very bottom of the screen. And then lastly, we have our Layer 2 VPN connected. So now that we've got these three things taken care of, we can do a live vMotion or vMotions uh, from our data center. So within vSphere, I'll, I'll minimize this a little bit, and hopefully you can see this in the back. You can see at the very top, I've got my VMware Cloud on AWS vCenter server. Okay? The cool thing about this, and one of the, the benefits to this hybrid cloud thing, is if you've been a vSphere admin for nine years, nothing's changed here as far as the toolings that you use, right? I'm still using vCenter server, I'm using a vSphere client. You don't have to learn anything new. Okay? Below that, I've got three other vCenter servers, and these are all connected together because of hybrid link mode. So if I come in here and I see uh, my New York data center, I've got this cluster here with, with running virtual machines, okay? I'm going to grab, uh, let's go ahead and power this on. Do that first. Um, can I not see up that high? Let's try this. There we go. Says it's powered on. All right, I just had to refresh. Okay, so I've got my, my Linux machine here. I wanna take this and move it from here to VMware Cloud on AWS. So for those of you who have used uh, the web client before, I can come in here and I say, I wanna change both my compute resources and storage because I'm moving this from on-prem up to the cloud. I select my vCenter server here that's in the cloud and I'll come in here to my cluster and I'll choose my resource pool, which is the, the resource pool that I'm given uh, as a customer to dump all of my VMs into. Okay, I can, what we see here is you see a management resource pool and a compute. That management one, because this is a managed service, has all of your NSX, your vCenter, all the virtual machines and, and uh, items that, that we need to be able to maintain your environment for you. And you don't have access to do anything in there. So we'll go ahead and put this in the compute resource pool. We'll select our storage. So we'll go onto our workload data store here. Just go, let, go ahead and let it validate that that'll work. And then I'm gonna push this into a workloads folder. So essentially what I'm doing is just organizing where this is going to end up. I want my destination network to also be my layer two stretch because I don't wanna lose that connectivity. This is also an NSX logical network. And I want this to go right now. So if I go ahead and hit uh, start, it's going ahead and it's relocating that virtual machine. Now. This is using Direct Connect. I don't know if this is as fast as most people's Direct Connect goes, but it's a smaller virtual machine, which is nice, and this should finish in about two minutes. Now, think about this from an automation perspective, okay? If you do want to leverage this and do mass vMotion migrations up to the cloud, I can script this so that all those five or six steps that I did from the UI, I can just run a script and say, grab all these virtual machines and push them up, okay? If I wanted to be really ambitious here, I'd open up a, a terminal and do a ping and show you how, how this continues to ping through. You maybe lose one or two packets as we go, but generally it works its way through the entire thing. So all of a sudden, those issues that RT talked about as far as, yeah, if you're moving to another cloud, you usually incur downtime, right? 
this is one of the methods that you can use to not incur that downtime, right? The VMs can be up and running, and as we see, it says it's complete. So let's, uh, let's go on up here to our cloud SDDC. We'll open up the resource pool where we sent it, and there it is, Linux EY05. Okay, pretty cool? All right, I'll take, I'll take applause. It's great, from a VI admin perspective, right, this is important. This is one of the major benefits to using VMware Cloud on AWS. Okay, so what are a few other things? So let's say I'm all on board. I want this, I wanna use this in my environment. What do I need to do next, okay? Well, it's cool when you get an environment like I just showed you, but what do you do from there, okay? Because I've got all my gold templates sitting back on-prem. I've got all my scripts and everything in my other data centers, and, and most likely, I've got a folder in a data store that says ISOs, right? Is that us? And maybe you have two different folders in two different data stores that both say ISOs. Am I right? Okay, what are we gonna do about that? One of the things we can do is we can leverage a, a feature that we have called Content Library. What Content Library allows you to do is within AV Center Server, you can create what's called a Content Library and set it up as a publisher. This allows you to go in and add your ISOs, your OVAs, your templates, your scripts, anything that you want to into this one. It will store it in its own folder in the data store so you don't have to have your little ISOs folder. And then you can then have other vCenter servers subscribe to that content library. What that allows you to do is on-prem, if you wanted to go back and start using content library today, you'd be prepping yourself to be able to use VMware Cloud on AWS as quickly as possible because the moment that you purchase and, and log into VMware Cloud on AWS, you can add in a, your, your uh, content library address for your on-prem one and start syncing across that data. Then if anything changes for your gold builds on-prem, that will sync as well. So all of a sudden, I now have an easy way to onboard virtual machines, templates, and anything else besides vMotioning, right? We can do that. There's other ways we can push up there too. But this is one of the easiest ways for me to publish and subscribe my vCenter servers to, to uh, get my ISOs and templates as needed. Now, this is something that's in development. Um, it's, it's something that we have given a, a name internally. I won't use it here. But what it's doing is it's leveraging Amazon Snowball and vMotion to sync large amounts of data relatively quickly, okay? So what this allows us to do is order a snowball, okay? When that comes, okay, what you can do is you can leverage uh, snowball and, and one of our, our um, features to copy virtual machines onto, onto snowball, okay? You ship that back to Amazon and that data is transferred into S3. From there, now mind you, let's take a time out here, those virtual machines are still running on-prem, okay? Now, normally with Snowball, you'd probably shut down the machines, do a cold migration as far as putting them onto Snowball, setting it up, and powering it back on. Depending on how much you wanna spend and the amount of time, downtime you wanna incur, right, that can be costly or it can, you can take a longer uh, period without your services running. With this, we're, we're essentially making a copy of that for Snowball, sending it so that my virtual machines can continue running on-prem. Once it gets there and is transferred into S3, then we can do a, tra a transfer from S3 into VMware Cloud on AWS's Cloud SDDC. Now from there, a cross VCV motion happens for just the deltas of what has changed from the time that you copied onto Snowball and sent it off to Amazon. So all of a sudden, instead of copying over terabytes and terabytes or petabytes of, of content of, of um, virtual machines from on-prem up to, uh, to VMware Cloud on AWS, you are pushing it up through Snowball and just copying the deltas of what has changed over the last week or two weeks. Kind of cool? Okay. 
I'll take more claps. You guys are so nice. Okay. So essentially what we're saying here, and you can, you can work with the numbers or fudge the numbers as much as you want, right? What we're saying here is it could take a long time to vMotion all of your VMs up from your on-prem up to the cloud, okay? It could take a year, it could take more, it could take less. Um, you know, with Snowball, we're looking at maybe 10 to 15 days, and during that time, you're still running on-prem, okay? So um, a couple other announcements that we made on Tuesday. So the first one was uh, DR as a service, okay? This other one is multiple SDDCs. So I have a VMware Cloud and AWS account. When we first announced this and launched it in, in August, you could have one uh, Cloud SDDC per account. So as of yesterday, we've announced that you can have multiple. You can have, uh, I think, as many as you want here. But if you have different uh, BUs that don't want to share the same vCenter server, share the same environment, go ahead and spin up more. That's totally fine. The other thing is we have multiple clusters. So as of August, we said you can have, there's a single cluster and you can have up to 16 hosts, okay? Now we've raised that number from 16 hosts to 32 hosts per cluster, and you can now go from one cluster up to 10 clusters for your SDDC. So you can now go from 16 hosts in, in your cloud SDDC all the way up to 320. That gives you the cloud scale that you're looking for. Now for those of you who like APIs, who like automating things and not having to do everything manually, we have an API Explorer. We leverage REST APIs. So we still have the APIs that you have within vCenter. We are also making REST APIs for all of the vCenter server um, methods and, and features. But we have uh, REST APIs for the VMware Cloud on AWS console, okay? This allows you to uh, do everything from creating a whole new SDDC automated to adding clusters, adding hosts, removing hosts, getting new IP addresses, public IP addresses, you name it. We're, we're opening this up so you can automate all this. Now, for you to know where to start, that's where the API Explorer comes in, okay? You can go in there, you can leverage the Swagger files and actually see what you can do there. You can run examples um, and, and really leverage this to really kickstart your automation process. So, availability. In August, we announced that we were in Oregon, US West, okay? As of yesterday, we've also announced that we're officially open in Northern Virginia, US East, okay? So we're, we're spanning geos now, we're, we're moving along into different regions. We've also announced earlier that we will be in London in the first half of next year, and uh, APJ in the second half of next year. And we haven't announced where in Asia Pacific we'll be, uh, but that will come out in the future. These are the three that you can work with right now. And as we continue to expand, we'll also continue to expand within those regions as well, okay? Um, but as far as a global company, we're trying to push this out to as many geos as we can and then start filling out within those geos as well. So for those of you who are running globally, uh, this is something that you'll start seeing more announcements on as, as we make this public. Okay. So some of the announcements that were made, I actually deleted some of them because there were too many lines on here, right? All right, so we have USC's Northern Virginia availability. We have VMware Site Recovery, okay? It's our as-a-service product for you to do DR. We have hybrid linked mode, which is what I showed you, where you can see multiple vCenter servers in the single pane of glass. It now supports external platform services controllers, or PSCs. Before, it was only embedded vCenter, uh, embedded PSCs within a vCenter server. This allows you to now connect multiple vCenter servers together. Our scale increase, right, from 16 hosts to 320 hosts within a single cloud SDDC, uh, and additional S S3 integration. So up until now, when you did this, uh, when you created a, a, a SDDC, 
you could use S3, but it was always going to route internally through the S3 endpoint, okay? And for most people, that's great because you don't have egress charges, okay? Fantastic. Now, there are some people or some reasons or use cases to actually wanna go out through public, uh, the public internet or the internet gateway. So we now have announced that you will have the choice with each of your SDDCs to leverage either the endpoint or go out externally through the internet. We have a few things in preview. As you saw with the, uh, with the live vMotion, layer two VPN and, and Amazon Direct Connect, we have that running in here. That's in preview. It will be fully baked in the upcoming weeks and months. And then the last thing we have is VMware Hybrid Cloud Extension, or HCX. HCX is another way that we can bulk migrate workloads uh, up into, into VMware Cloud on AWS. It's an, it's an additional service that we can use, and we can talk about that more in uh, Q&A after this is done or in some of the other sessions. So that being said, the big question that we get is around pricing. I don't want to spend time on this. I'm in technical marketing, not product marketing. I see all the cameras going up. What I want you to take a picture of is the link there, cloud.vmware.com slash vmc dash aws slash pricing, okay? This will show you the hourly, the one-year reserved, and the three-year reserved, as well as if you're an active vSphere NSX or vSAN customer, there's additional 10% discounts for each of those if you have active SNS. So, that being said, uh, go ahead and take a look. You can run your ROI. You can see what type of models work best for you. Check out the, the VMware Cloud on AWS site. So, is this still me? Take it away? Okay. Um, some of the next steps that we have here. Getting started with the service. What do you need to do? Well, go to the website, right? Talk it over, see, what, see if this is really what fits your needs. For most of our customers, this is what they're looking for. They want that hybrid connectivity. They don't wanna change their tool sets. They don't wanna re-script things. They don't want to refactor uh, their virtual machines. They want this type of, of um, product, and we're hearing that from all of our customers. Licensing requirements, okay? You pay for all this as a service. That pricing that you saw was for the hosts. It was for the maintenance. It was for the support. It's for all the updates and patching. How many of you are so sick and tired of spending your weekends doing vSphere upgrades or firmware upgrades, okay? I hated that. You get some time back with your wife and your kids, right? So this is something where VMware does all that for you. A versioning, the one thing you need to know here is as of right now, you need vSphere 6.5 um, on-prem for you to be able to leverage hybrid link mode. Is that right? Okay. A couple other resources that you can use here, okay, are, are a few links to VMware Cloud on AWS, our YouTube channel, and our blog. I'll leave that up here for about 10 seconds for those of you who are zooming in. And one of the last things that I want to say, everyone here, everyone in the uh, overflow rooms, go on to the app, do the ratings, do the reviews and the feedback for this, and if there's a section for you to actually leave comments, I want to know what you're most interested in or what this seems to be lacking for you. I want to be able to get that and take that back and come back next year and say, look at what we've been able to implement based off of your feedback, okay, if possible. So please take the time after this session to go in there, give us a rating, give us some feedback of what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to see, um, and thank you so much for your time. Come on up, Artie. Now, for those of you that want, we're going, to, we're going to cut the mics and we'll spend the next 10 minutes or so doing Q&A up here in the front. So anyone that wants to ask us questions, please come on up. Thank you.